Macbeth. Welcome back. This is part two of our burgeoning series on Macbeth. So if you haven't listened to part one, it's probably best if you go back and do that. Yeah, we, we talk it's, a little bit about ourselves, our backgrounds. Yeah, it's a little also bit about just a the bit play. strange anyone who goes into a podcast and starts out listening to episode two. Yeah, that that I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell but you. But yeah, what to do. I mean, we're not gonna judge you if you don't want to hear about us, the historical background, or Act One of or Act, Act One of the play in which uh, most of the by things all happen. means, by all means, join us now as join we us go now. into the remainder of Macbeth. Macbeth by William Shakespeare. Macbeth. So uh, we open ah! with. I'm so sorry. We open with some 18th century actors being forced to torture each other in in an episode of Blackadder the Third. I think it's the third. Yes. Four. Yeah. Um, no, it's the third. The fourth it, is World War One. Yeah. Okay. So we open with our our our, our, our everyone's favorite himbo Banquo and his son yes. Fleance, who I don't think we've met before. Naming I, my son Fleance. Great Definitely Scottish names of history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I I really like this. Um, there's husbandry in heaven. Their candles are all out. It's really beautiful, and it's also like extremely unsettling. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like, kind of Macbeth in a nutshell. Yeah, like like boy, there aren't any stars tonight. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I literally, you know, um, we get, I'm the, sure uh, only good things can come of this. Oh, I would also note we get the beginning of the, the really wonderful association in this play of sleep with the natural order in that Banquo oh, can't yeah. sleep. He, he would not sleep. I mean, like he, yeah. I mean, it's and, not, uh, yeah. Like, like, like you right now, while. like you right now, you would not sleep because you are recording a podcast <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yes. Yeah. Time zones are fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Banquo can't sleep. Duncan, on the other hand. All right. Okay. Oh, well, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan is sleeping very well. Um, yes. Macbeth. Sleep of a saint. Oh, yes. A martyred saint. Um, Indeed. Macbeth is like, hey, Banquo, uh, I definitely don't think about the three, the three witches, but if you do, we should talk about them. Uh, but I don't. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool, good night. And then um, Macbeth has only one of the most famous speeches in English in the English language. Is this a dagger which I see before me, the handle toward my hand? I Come, let me cut sleep. I have thee not yet, I see thee still, etc. Uh, this is a weird moment. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> yes. Like, it's great. But, I, I, mean, you, you, I mean, you, the way you see Ian McKellen doing it, my he's just grabbing yeah. he's grabbing nothing it's weird yeah i mean i was kind of struck like the thing that struck me at this point 
was that it feels like the dramatic climax of the play is happening. Yeah. And yet... It's the beginning like, of Act 2. This is, this is 40 minutes in, yeah. Mm-hmm. In another play, this very, would be the climax. It's a very strangely paced play, but I think that adds to it. I think so. Because it's, as I said, the first 40, 45 minutes is a Greek tragedy, and then it's just the fallout from the things that happen in Greek tragedy is happening. I mean, to do, or, I mean, or alternatively, you might think of it as like the first and second plays in a Greek trilogy of tragedies. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, because we'll the, Ag- the Agamemnon ends with Agamemnon being stabbed, and then the second one uh, continues from there, right? Yeah. Um, but Macbeth sees an imagined dagger, and he decides he's gonna he's gonna go do it. I go, and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a nail that summons thee to heaven or to hell. Where do we think Duncan is going, Max? The craziest white boy ever to do it. <laughs> Macbeth's white boy summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also. Yeah, like, I mean, what could happen to Duncan? It's it's a mystery at this point. Um, I also enjoyed the first mention of Hecate, who will show up, perhaps not authorially, authorially show up because she may well be not by Shakespeare, but Hecate might show up. Uh, we'll I, oh, yeah. we'll talk about that anyway. Um, so Macbeth's gonna go in and uh, kill the fucking king. Yep. Two-two. As you do. I mean, I will say it is kind of impressive the balls on Shakespeare for writing a play about king killing so soon after the uh mm-hmm. the gunpowder plot. Yeah, I've I've never this been. This is able like to... if, if Hollywood had made a movie in 1965 where the vice president plots to have the president assassinated <laughs> so he can take over. I mean, if in compare for, for reference, by the way, the Manchurian candidate, which is not a film about the Kennedy assassination at all. Uh, was taken out of circulation for decades because Frank Sinatra thought it was too close to the Kennedy assassination. Oh my God. I just remembered all the shit that happened in American culture after 9-11. Oh, I wish we had had a grace period. I, I mean, clearly the Elizabeth, or excuse me, the, ja- the Jacobean English culture didn't really care about that. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Lady, Ma- so, Lady Macbeth. La- Lady Macbeth is here, uh, presumably covered in blood. Um, because yeah. she, um, I mean, in 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 this production, they are both very visibly covered in blood. Oh yeah, because they've like, done it. I feel like they spent about fifty percent of the production budget on robes and twenty five percent on gore. Full disclosure, I think that's what Shakespeare should be. That's my philosophy. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, Lady Macbeth says but clearly. Uh, clearly, this play, this isn't. The kind of theater that needs huge amounts of scenery. No. Oh, haha, very funny. Uh, you can find trees anywhere. Come on. <laughs> um, Lady M says she totally have killed him had he not resembled my father as he slept. But, you know, so that's fun. That's a good side. That bodes well for her future uh, mental state. Lady Macbeth, daddy issues confirmed. Yeah, totally. You have this wonderful exchange here. Um, did not you speak when now as I descended, I, Hark, who lies in the second chamber, Donald Bane. If you remember, this is all the iambic pentameter. It's so rapid fire. It's so great. I'm snapping. Mm. You probably can't see that because this is an audio medium. I mean, we should be able to hear it. 
Uh, it's great. I love it. It's so cool. It's so uh, Ian McKellen and Judy Dench are just bam, 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 bam. It's great. It, they're, they're, it's ironic. Yeah. They're never more in sync than in this moment. I don't think. Yeah, which is, I mean, I guess maybe that says something. Yeah, maybe. But of course, like in, this is destiny working through them or something. Maybe. God, I've, I've never really thought about it that way, but I can I can see it. Um, but we already have these sort of these. Or it's just like the specifics of how their chemistry worked. <laughs> yeah, that could also be it. They they definitely have the feeling of like um, like in an action movie, like the couple, you know, like they've survived an explosion. They breathe heavily and they start making out. That feels yeah. like Macbeth. Yeah, uh, the Macbeths. We have the beginnings of some of these prodigies, like the owls are screaming. Macbeth is unable to say amen, hmm. which is not subtle, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, oh, and now he won't be able to sleep anymore. I mean, he actually is able to sleep later, but like symbolically, he can't sleep right now. Yeah. Because uh, sleep is a natural part of life and he has violated the natural order. Wow. Cool. Hmm. This says a lot about society. <laughs> it sure does specifically Gosh, the fact that we live in one yeah is it pre-modern scotland perhaps <laughs> um a little water clears us of this deed citation needed yeah uh, but god uh, oh boy okay where are we now oh hey it's the porter yay max what do you think about the porter I'm really excited to hear what you think about the porter. He's, he feels very out of place. Yeah. It, it feels like he sort of crossed over from, like he accidentally walked onto the wrong stage in the theater. <laughs> yeah. And was actually supposed to be in one of the Shakespearean comedies. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's useful to have a breather of some kind in the middle of this. After that scene which Intense is so tense. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hear what you're, I mean, I think it's worth noting that the Porter, his jokes and the Porter, yeah. the Porter is not a character and, uh, who is. We should mention also that um, in the, the production I watched, which we will probably link to in the show notes. The homie uh, because Ian it McDermott. is on YouTube. Yeah. The, the Porter is played by Ian McDermott. Yeah who plays the part in Broad Scots. It's, there's a, there's a, I couldn't stop laughing. There's one bit where basically what the porter is doing is he's saying, God, people are knocking so much. It's, it's as constant as if you were like the porter, like the guy who watches the gate what's of hell. What's the deal with being a porter? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the deal with being a porter of the gates of hell? And then he yeah. starts listing some groups of people who might go to hell. So we have a farmer <laughs> who tried to corner the market but failed and bankrupted himself. Oh, yeah. Um, we have an equivocator. <laughs> Gunpowder plot. Uh -huh. And then the third one is an English tailor for stealing out of a French hose. And when Ian McDermott says the word English, he like spits mm. on the ground. It is yes. so funny. I died. English. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. It's great. I yeah. loved it. Um, yeah. No, you're right. It is kind of out of place. Uh, I will say, on the Elizabethan stage, unity of tone is for cowards. <laughs> um, yes. 
much as in real life. But honestly, there's something so kind of macabre about his humor, right? Yeah. Like this is I mean, he is like, listing is, people he thinks deserves to die. Yeah. Like this is like this is kind of funny, but he's talking about like what if I were a demon? <laughs> yeah. What if I were consorting with the souls of the damned? Um, yeah. And then you get some like, ha ha, drink is funny because it makes you impotent, but also horny jokes. Which yes. like, whatever. I mean, like funny, I guess. I, I don't know. He does say I mean, the word, the, the he says the word very, urine. That's fun. The Porter is, a very, is very Gilbert and Sullivan, isn't he? he well, to be fair, the Gilbert, Gilbert and Sullivan wouldn't um, make jokes about how um, it makes him stand to and makes him not stand to because that just wouldn't be proper. Yeah, no. I mean, this is... Yeah, that's not Victorian. No. I mean, Tit Willow, Tit Willow is kind of on the edge of Victorian. <laughs> and that's just like, <laughs> Tit. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, the porter often gets cut because it seems like it's probably the actor playing the porter, like, directly referring to people on stage. Like, people would have sat on the stage or like very close to the stage in an indoor theater, they would have sat on the stage, which is obnoxious as hell as an actor. I can tell you. Um, but presumably the Porter would have referred to like and visible people. theater in the round. Yeah, pretty much what's universal lighting. Remember there's not, there's no, the fourth wall wouldn't have made sense to them really. Yeah. I mean, what you can waste that many candles. Good luck. <laughs> um, uh, to to pr- create a light between the audience and the actors. Oh, yeah, yeah, anyway, the night has been unruly, says Lennox, who's extremely for, um, forgettable. Uh, he says there yeah, were scr- there so many throwaway characters in this play. There were strange screams of death and prophesying with accents terrible of dire combustion and confused events. Um, some say the earth was feverish and did shake. What does Ms., what does Macbeth respond with? Twas a rough night. <laughs> Yeah, I um, feel you, King. I feel you, man. Yeah. Oh, this is where Macduff, who's like an important thing, but he's not that interesting, really. Anyway, yeah. this is where... Yeah, he, I mean, I remember nothing about Macduff. Uh, except for his wife and kids get murdered. Yeah. But that's not about him, actually. Anyway, um, Macduff bursts in and says, Oh my God, the king is dead. Most sacrilegious murder hath broke open the Lord's anointed temple. As if you needed to be reminded again that Duncan is like an Old Testament king on steroids. Yes. So yeah, it's bad. It's bad stuff. Yes. Um, they're just talking. I mean, it's horrible stuff. Horrible, horrible. Blah blah blah. <laughs> My favorite thing here is towards the end of it, where they're talking about what happened, who killed them. Oh, it was it was Duncan's guards. <laughs> and and they, of course it was. Yeah. And Macbeth's like, oh, shoot, I'm sorry I killed them. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yes. And he's like, uh, well, I was, um, um, I was just so angry. And this is just, this is just a faulty Towers plot, but played seriously. A little bit. Well, I mean, it really is, too, because um, he said, you know, he says, oh, blah, blah, blah. How could I uh, refrain that had a heart to love to, to do all this? And then. Lady Macbeth is like, oh no, I'm fainting. (laughs) 
Um, okay, hang on a second here. Um, okay. Um, nope. Little recording trouble there. Sorry about that. There, yeah, my uh, audacity broke again. Oh boy. Move. Yeah. Again. My, uh, um, okay. So Macbeth has just killed the guards. He's killed the guards, and uh, <laughs> he he's definitely did it. He's definitely someone who's done it for good reasons. Uh, I mean. Max was, yeah, it, it is a little bit kind of dark, dark, like Ianucci comedy. Um, yeah. Oh no, I'm fainting. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I, Ma- Max, what is your impression of people buying this? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely something that like would depend on a performance. Obviously, yeah. Ma- Malcolm and um, Donald Bain. Yes, the king's sons. The king's sons. Malcolm is, of course, the heir apparent. Are like, yikes, we're out of here because they're just going to, because whoever did this, probably Macbeth, is going to implicate us. So they go to England and Ireland. Yeah, or kill them. Yeah. Or kill or them. Both. Yeah. And, so they, uh, one thing I did notice about them is that they are consistent, or at least at this point, they are consistently shirtless. <laughs> That's not in the text. Yeah, I no, think. I kind of, I kind of guessed. <laughs> that is a lot, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, shirtless two, four, boys in 1970s England. Oh boy, Ian McKellen be like, no, I'm sorry, that was slightly homophobic. I apologize. Yeah, I don't um, think. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. Um, two four is not a great scene. Um, mm-hmm. Ross talks to an old man about how bad the night was and how um, it was so bad and so chaotic that horses ate each other. You know, as happens. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen a horse. <laughs> we've all seen a horse cannibalism. It feels <laughs> very. It feels very like Roman a historiography. Yes. Uh, you know. Oh, the night before X horrific omen i mean shakespeare likes these too probably because of rome i don't know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. anyway and then they're like boy i who's gonna be the next king i think it's macbeth bam this Macbeth guy has a bright future ahead of him <laughs> he sure does he um to start act three scene one which is where we are now banquo yes. who will definitely act two went by quicker than act one act two yeah. i mean act two is too short as heck but Okay, 3-1. Macbeth, hast it now. King, Cotter, Glomps, all. This is Banquo's, like, one monologue. Poor himbo. Yes. Yes. Does he deserve better? I don't think so. Yep. Uh, Yeah, I'm... uh, The thing I've written in my notes here is Banquo says what I'm thinking. We're less than halfway through, and all the stuff the witches said were going to happen happened. (laughs) I mean, it, it is sort of... It is sort of amusing that um, Shakespeare, uh, the, the, the source text has one prophecy, right? But Shakespeare mm-hmm. has him come back for more. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yes, I really reacted to that. Oh, I'm, I'm dying to hear what you think of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think 3-1 uh, is fascinating. I, I, the scene with the murderers um, makes my, kind of chills me. I don't know why. I, love, I just love the phrase, playing the part of the third murderer. Oh yeah, who do who do they have playing the third murderer in that production? Uh, I forget. I think that was another one of the uh, Wikipedia article less actors. 
Yeah, I'm not seeing. Oops, I'm sorry, my internet is credit for the third murder. Got you. Huh? Yeah. What's um? So Macbeth does this routine where he invites these murderers in and sort of not really even persuades them that Banquo was someone they should definitely kill. Um, they don't really even seem to buy it. Yeah. But he's gonna have he so he has these two murderers kill him. Uh, he sort of negs them too, which I think is very kind of amusing. He says, like, yeah, I guess you count as men. You're like, you're as manly as like a rabid Again. wolf is as a dog. Again, incel shit. It is. It's very toxic. I feel like that's the point. This <laughs> cancel. Damn, I can't believe it. Um, oh gosh, so, what is this? Three two is not that interesting. All that really happens in three two is um, Macbeth kind of says he sort of envies Duncan for being like uh, free of all this shit, basically. Yeah. Um, and Who he's like, and he's like, 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 honey, I have some good news coming. Ooh, what is it? I won't tell you yet. Not, not, uh, some gender shit, you know. Yeah. As you do. Oh, and we have another mention of Hecate. Hooray! She's coming in two scenes. So we, we got to re- make the audience remember. I don't think she was in the 79 production. Yeah, no, they cut her because she's not by William Shakespeare, most likely. Yeah. Okay, third murderer. So some productions have Macbeth as the third murderer, which doesn't really make sense. Interesting. Which doesn't really make sense. I like the energy of it. It doesn't really work for me. Because like later on, mm. he's like, hey, did you kill Banquo and Fleance? They're like, well, I have some good news. It's some bad news. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, and, and, and it that's just, a bit weird if Macbeth And it was wouldn't there. make any sense for him to be like feigning surprise. Yeah, um, that's true. Though I, I, I think the Roman Polanski one mm, uh, had Ross as the third Speaking murderer. Speaking of canceled people. Yeah, and right? I don't like I don't really get Ross as the third murderer because he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Basically, uh, I like Satan as the third murderer. <laughs> it's spelled S E Y. It's spelled S E Y T O N. Okay, God. get your mind out of the gutter. I'm not getting over that. <laughs> no, me neither. But I so <laughs> Satan taking <laughs> taking counsel from Satan. It's a lot. I honestly, I think if I were to do a Macbeth, I would expand Satan a little bit. <laughs> Satan needs to grow. Um, big currently music. I uh, music duo I like the Leuven Brothers did an album called Oh Satan, yeah, Satan is real. Called Satan is real. We're not referring to Macbeth, but it is appropriate. It is a grim. Is real. It is a grim enough view of human nature for them to have responded to it well, I think. <laughs> I feel like a Southern Gothic Macbeth could work very well. Yeah, I could see it. Anyway, so the two murderers are like, hey, who are you, third guy? And the third murderer says, that's a production choice. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then a guy comes on stage and starts singing, Figaro, 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 and then he realizes he's in the wrong play. <laughs> Uh, Banquo was like, I'm going to go on a horse ride alone at night earlier to Macbeth. And the Macbeth was like, sounds good. Make sure you come back because I do want you to do that. Make sure you don't get murdered out there. <laughs> Bring your son. 
<laughs> they're remembering they're, that meme of uh, Goya Saturn holding a coffee cup that says, Don't talk to me until I've had my son. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, there's a kind of an amusing little bit of early modern theater practice here, which is they were supposed to be riding on horseback, but like they're not on horses, obviously, because I think the stage would like cave in if you brought a horse on, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there are people are always like. They have ah. to source those mercy and coconuts. <laughs> Basically. No, they're always like, well, everyone always rides halfway here, and then they, they, they walk the rest of the way. <laughs> That's how it yes. works. Um, I was just reading... That Taming. is how transportation works. I was just reading The Taming of the Shrew today, and there's a bit where they describe Petruchio making a, his fantastical entrance into um, the city on this kind of... on this horrifically awful horse... And, like, they describe it in great detail, but you don't see it. <laughs> um, anyway, poor, poor Banquo, poor Himbo. I mean, the stage can't really fit a horse because it already has 15 people sitting on it. <laughs> yes, 15 rich people who don't want their nice uh, clothes to be shat upon. Yeah. Anyway, so unfortunately, Banquo is dead, but uh, the one who mattered... <laughs> You know, the one, the one whom, mentioned in the prophecy, yeah. The one mentioned in the prophecy, the sons of Banquo, he's fine. So that's a problem. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's the banquet. What did you think of the banquet scene, Max? Oh, by the way, I, we missed, uh, we'll get to the banquet, but we missed the part where Macbeth gets crowned. Well, that's not in the text. Oh. Yeah. Right. I know, anyway. right? It should be about that. It should be in the text. There should be a scene of a coronation. Yeah. And I don't know why there isn't one. Yeah. So in in the 1979 production, they have a uh, a silent scene where they just place a crown on Macbeth and he's in the era. They called that a dumb show. Yeah. Is that ableist? Perhaps. But that's what they called it. Is the Elizabethan era Um, canceled? Damn, I can't believe it. I think we've spent most of the previous three hours canceling it yes. pretty thoroughly. Well, tell uh, me what you yeah, thought about that so, coronation scene. So I realized as I saw him turn around with the crown on him and temporarily dressed in Duncan's robes, although he immediately takes them off and is never seen in them again. Because you can't uh, wear those borrowed robes? Come on. Yeah. I realized that I have, in fact, seen this play before, only it wasn't called Macbeth then, it was called House of Cards. In fairness, House of Cards is like also half Richard III, but... Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know, right? I mean, by this point, you really get to the idea of like, oh, wow, this is just extremely redolent in pop culture. Yes. Um, it is... It is so strange, though, that there isn't a textual coronation scene. Maybe that got cut. I talked a little bit about that in the last episode, of mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the theory that this might be a partial text. Maybe that yeah. was something that didn't make the cut in, in the redaction. Or maybe it was never there to begin with. I don't know. Because it would be, it's so dramatically cool. Yes. But then again, it would be, pretty, it would be a little controversial. There's yeah. a, I, I don't know. I, I, there, there's no good answer here. Yeah. But um, and then the note I have for the uh, the scene where he hires the murderers to kill Banquo just says, "For the sake of our nation, this himbo must die." <laughs> oh no! 
Oh no, um, poor poor Banquo. Yeah. Um, okay, and then we have the banquet. The banquet. Uh, and the banquet begins with what I can only describe as the most evil organ music I've ever heard. <laughs> Again, this is probably specific to the production I watched, but I have a drop of the the melody. There's something about the combination of ostensibly very joyful music and just complete dissonance. It's like, I mean, it does definitely sound like what Dracula plays to make Jonathan Harker feel at home on quote unquote. (laughs) Yes. No, I mean, that's not in the text, but it is extremely true to the text Um, where he's being like, have a great time. He, He has to insist on his welcome being hearty, basically, like literally a hearty welcome. And and you do, oh, I, I, I forgot to mention this because I think it's fascinating. Okay, well, this is at the end of this scene, I guess. Okay, yeah. But um, he says that he has a, a servant planted in everyone's house by this point. Hmm. He has a spy network. Uh, Macbeth has enforced an authoritarian state in yeah. the last scene. 11th um, century Scottish Stasi. Pretty much, um, which is terrifying. Yes. Um, you, we, we get a little bit more of this later from in 3-6 where Lennox and an unnamed Lord discuss, boy, it sure is interesting how people just go missing, which feels like shockingly modern, right? Yes. Um, I mean, but I mean, Elizabeth I had a pretty extensive spy network, didn't she? Right. Oh, absolutely. She did. But usually I, 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 I mean, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but it seems to me that their security state kind of worked on like tall poppy syndrome as it were. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like if you were too Catholic or too Protestant or anything like that, you know, then they would come down on you. But if you basically kept your head down, like they would let you pray more or less how you wanted as long as you showed up every Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that the important thing wasn't personal beliefs so much as outward loyalty. Exactly. I mean, famously, Elizabeth. And I think that's been I think that's true of most pre-modern and early modern societies. Unquestionably true. Uh, Elizabeth's motto was famously a video etaceo, like I, I see and I say nothing. So I'll let you be a closet Catholic Howard family, but you know, yeah. don't talk exactly. about it too much. Um, but yeah, obviously I know you have a priest hole everywhere in your house. Yeah. Um, of course. But yeah. So, I mean, I mean, this is a great, I, no, I don't remember just the 79 production have a ghost of Banquo or not? Because I, I don't think it does, right? Uh, there's not an like we can't see the ghost, no. Okay. Cause that is um because in the in the text, he's there. He just shows up, he's sitting in Macbeth's seat, presumably yeah. smeared with blood. Yes. <laughs> um, more like I mean, that's the other half of the blood that the production bought, I guess, should be on yes. Banquo. Um, and and that's why Macbeth says, "Never shake thy glory, thy, thy glory, lo- thy gory locks at me." What's gr- oh, it, it makes yeah, me chill. And, um, and the guests at the banquet have no idea what's going on and are convinced he's going insane. Um, yeah, which and, to be fair, they're not wrong about that. <laughs> they're not wrong about that. Um, e- e- even in a universe with witches, he's going insane. 
Yes. Lady Macbeth has to be like, oh, he often suffers from extremely scary sounding hallucinations, which sure seem to imply a great deal of guilt and culpability. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's been like this since he was a child. He's always found himself guilty of horrific crimes against the Christian king. Don't worry. Uh, he says that... <laughs> oh my god. Uh, he says <laughs> that if the ghost took the shape of the rugged Russian bear, the armed rhinoceros, or the herkin tiger, he'd be fine. First yeah. of all, Shakespeare, do you know what a rhinoceros is? <laughs> also, Hyrcania is a very, it's not a region that existed in his day. It was probably a region in like modern day Afghanistan. I don't think they have tigers there. I mean, yeah. Anyway, it's fun. It's great. It probably, Shakespeare- went, it probably got them from a left boat. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, anyway, this scene is horrifying. Oh, this is where he says it will have blood, they say. Blood will have blood. <laughs> That's a good sign. Blood will have blood. Horses will eat each other. People named Satan will be the <laughs> um, I mean, by this point, it, it seems like uh, I get the sense that this is a regime that's kind of still trying to put a smiling face on it. Yeah. But it's just yeah. crumbling into mania and depravity and violence. Yeah. Anyway, what, what's the upshot of this? He decides he's going to go see the, the witches. Oh, and this is where we get to the yeah. uh, to the scene with Hecate. Um, so Hecate, as you may know, is the Greco-Roman goddess of witchcraft and some other things. Uh, we're not quite sure where she comes from, but it's not important. By the early modern period, she's closely associated with witchcraft. Shakespeare probably didn't write her in this play. She's usually cut out of this play because uh, this scene doesn't feel like it's part of the play because it doesn't read like Shakespeare. Because it probably wasn't written by him. Because it was probably written by his sometime uh, collaborator, one Thomas Middleton, who was a kind of militantly Protestant playwright who Mm. is really interested in his plays about illegitimacy in marriage and legal cases. And it may interest you to know that his early life was marked by both of these things. (laughs) Oh, I love a guy who's just relitigating the same thing from his own life. Oh, yeah. No, um, he, his family had a massive court case. Um, the Elizabethans loved suing people. Like, it was, like, their biggest hobby. Yeah. Um, but he... You can see why they liked ancient Rome so much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, yeah, Middleton probably wrote this. It's probably inspired by some work he did for a play a little later called The Witch, which is not a great play or... or it is very strange that Hecate appears and uh, settles a custody battle. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's funny, because that is basically what she does. She says, like, come on, guys, you've been doing magic and you've been doing the dark arts without me. But you know what? That's fine. Macbeth is coming right now, and you need to finally end him. You need to tell him the things he needs to know to once and for all do himself. Basically is a custody battle over Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. And then they sing a song called Come Away, Come Away, which is not in the, t- the corpus of the play, but is in the corpus of the play The Witch I mean, by Thomas is... Middleton. So there it we is... go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a bit strange to have a musical number in a Shakespeare play. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, 
but we are the weird ones in not putting musical numbers in our Shakespeare plays. Mm. Every Elizabethan play, even something like this, would have ended with everyone getting up and doing a little dance. Oh um, yeah, they did. I mean, new- I know in the in the early 18th century they would end every single play that was staged with a mass singing of "Oh, the roast beef of old England." Yeah, pretty much. Which is. Um, just extremely energy that is so hanoverian and i hate it yes they they sang they loved singing i mean they really loved singing a li- maybe a little later than like 1606 like by the 16 teens and 1620s as you get into the caroline theater and things sort of become a little bit more stagnant and a little bit more maybe a, a little bit more kind of operatic proto-operatic very much, very much like the current stage we are in in the play Macbeth. Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah. that's the end so of th- that's when, the end of three uh, five. Hecate never shows up yeah. again. So this is when Shakespeare ran out of prophecy, and so he has Macbeth go back to the witches for more. Right. I talked a little bit about three six, which is where Lennox and the Lord talk about how, um, boy, we live in a police state now. But thankfully, there is some hope because boy, we sure do live in a society. Yeah, uh, there is some hope because um, Macduff has gone to uh, ask Edward the Confessor and the nobleman Seward, whoever that is, William Seward, Secretary of State during the Lincoln (laughs) administration, perhaps. Seward's folly. That will not make anyone laugh except for our alternate history friends. (laughs) The five people listening to this podcast are very interested in both Shakespeare and 19th century American politics, yeah. Yes, (laughs) <laughs> it's me. Um, but thankfully, Duncan's kids are, have head, have headed to England to ask the Holy King, quote unquote, for help in fighting Macbeth. Um, yes. That's all we really need to know about 3-6. Let's talk about 4-1, which is, yes. has a claim to be the most famous scene in this play, which is saying yeah. something, because this is where we get the witch's incantation. Yes, I have it. I have it. Double, double, toilet, trouble, five and so on and so forth. Lots of fun things like scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, maw and gulf of the raven sea, salt sea shark, uh, root of hemlock digged in the dark, liver of blaspheming Jew. <laughs> Yay, finally some anti-Semitism. I, I feel personally it's attacked. It's taken this long. I feel personally attacked. Yeah, no, they usually cut that one. I'm pretty sure this production cut that one. The next one is, um, a, a little bit after that, is Nose of Turk and Tatar's Lips. They cut that yeah. one too. I don't think Erdogan would be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, this is incredibly best famous. confirmed contrary to Islam. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. this is... So this this- is this is where Macbeth, so Macbeth enters after they've done their incantation. Yes. And he says, as "How I, now, you I, secret? How now, you secret?" I, oh, as I say in my notes, dressed in his neo cosplay. <laughs> Basically, at this point, how now, you secret black and midnight hags? What is it you do? All a deed without a name. Holy shit, dude! Yep, you're in deep. You're in deep. <laughs> A deed without a name. So, yeah. what does he ask them? Tell me how you understand this sequence, because I'm not sure I quite understand it. Yeah. 
it's the only right. thing I really got from this scene was that he is just terrified throughout it. Understandable. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the key difference we have to understand between Ian McKellen's Macbeth and Francis Urquhart. Yeah. Urquhart and at first Richard loves this stuff. Yeah. And then um, gradually they become a little bit more and more scared by it. Um, yeah, whereas... but Macbeth, at least as McKellen plays him, is just, yeah, a man stumbling from thing to thing, perpetually horrified of everything he sees. <laughs> yeah, which is and justifiable. Yeah, I mean, I would be too if I did the things he did, but I probably wouldn't do them. Mm-hmm. And, and, the the, thing. and then we get, so we get back to this question that isn't really answerable of how does he go from, you know, this great royal soldier of this, in, this heavenly king to that king's murderer to you know, um, this fascist dictator of to this fascist dictator to a nihilist willing to take down everyone with him. Yeah, and there's a little bit like that's a little bit like the path Richard has too, but it's it's not. I mean, he's funny. Richard the Third is funny. Macbeth is bitter and scared and sad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, this so, might be a, uh, another situation where the partial text is. It might, mu- it might be, it probably must be. But yeah. I, I feel like there must have been something weird about this play from the outset, and maybe that's another part of why people think mm-hmm. it's cursed because it is really uncomfortable. Yeah. It skirts so close to things that, like we as human beings living in a society, that we don't want to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the charisma of a Macbeth or a Lady Macbeth can only do so much to keep us like in in you know kind of rooting for anyone because it's horrifying. Yeah. Okay, so he says I need more prophecies to continue the plot. Yeah. Um. Basically. So what are our prophecies? We have an armed head. Yeah. I don't know how they did that on stage. I have no idea. Yeah. Um. I guess in an early, a much earlier play, Friar Bacon and Friar Bungie, in which um, the, I think, 14th century Friar Roger Bacon is described as having a magical talking head. Maybe it's a prop from then. I have no idea. It's, a, it's an English folklore thing. Don't ask me, man. Yeah. So anyway, the armed head. So the armed head tells him that uh, he should beware the Thane of Fife. That's Macduff. Macduff. For those of us keeping score at home. It's very hard to keep track. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many fucking things in this. There's play. so many fucking things, and exactly two of them are important. Yeah. And arguably, you could do this play without Ross. Yeah. Like it would be sad, but if you had to make it 30 minutes long, that is shorter than an episode of this podcast. <laughs> significantly, uh, yes. Significantly so. You could cut Ross. It would be a loss, but you could do it. Yeah. Um, okay, Apparition 2, A Bloody Child. Wasn't that one of J.K. Rowling's book? Never mind, that's The Cursed Child. Uh, the Bloody Child tells him to scorn the power of man, for none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. I, I hope there's no convenient way out of that one. Yeah. Um, but in fairness, if I heard that, I would be like, yeah, that's pretty rock tight. That's pretty rock solid, pretty airtight. I mean, what? Someone... 
born of a cesarean section is going to kill me? That seems unlikely. And then we have a child crowned with a tree in his hand. Perhaps the same actor as the bloody child? I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, um, the tree in his hand signifies that until Great Burnham Wood to High Dunsinane Hill come against Macbeth, he'll be fine. Yeah, and it's, until it's the a forest. Starts moving. You know, until there is one. Until the ants awake. <laughs> until the end. Mary and Pippin were key in undermining the regime of Macbeth. <laughs> um, Macbeth says, Well, that will never be. Who can impress the forest? Bid the tree unfix his earthbound root. I mean, as long well, as you're well, not. Well, well. As long as you're not too hasty, it's not that was. hard. And then finally, we have a show of eight kings and Banquo last with a glass in his hand, which uh, indicates what Macbeth wishes he didn't know, which is that the house of Banquo will indeed succeed to the throne. And this is a question I have. Uh, I like to, do the witches foresee the glorious revolution? Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a joke. And I think the math winds up so that like the eighth king is James because he has mm-hmm. two fall bo- two fall ba- balls and treble scepters carrying presumably England, Scotland, Ireland. Right. Yeah. That makes um, sense. Yeah. But like, do they foresee what happened to the Stuart dynasty after the reign of James the first and sixth? Well, um, maybe Shakespeare did have supernatural powers. Yeah. Uh, the witches prophesied to Charles the first, don't raise your taxes on your subjects <laughs> or try to extract money from them through ship through shipping costs. That's weirdly specific. I won't need to do that. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Whatever um, you do, don't impose the Book of Common Prayer on Scotland. Oh, God, oh, fuck. <laughs> is this a Presbyterian play? Perhaps so. I actually, to say. I actually don't think it is the funny thing. Yeah. So, Macbeth... I mean, it, does, it does talk about predestination. That's actually very true. Like I, know, like, I was joking, but you're right. I mean, I was saying this in the past episode. Fate doesn't really have any ability to be contradicted in this world it seems like yeah exactly. uh, which, which is upsetting because it seems like Macbeth is very unhappy about this fact yes um tell me about how you doesn't the nun production uh like not show any of these weird like tableau these scenes yeah it's it's yeah this is what I uh reflected on is that if I, the nun production is, is the seventy nine production. Yeah, we're, exactly. we're talking about for reference. Yeah, no, it's uh, the same one I've been talking about throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just to make that clear, it's, it's very minimalist, as you say. Um, and I imagine a lot of weird shit could be done with this scene, but they don't. Yeah, on personally, I would do some really weird shit with this scene. Yeah, and I kind of would just let my actors playing the witches do whatever they want. <laughs> just make it as weird as possible. But I feel like if you're going the no Banquo's ghost route, no images route works well, I think. I, if you're going to yeah. do one, you should probably do both. I feel like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's, an, it's an iconoclastic production. In more yeah, but I don't dislike that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it works. Oh, I love this. I forgot about this. Macbeth, uh, saw you the wayward sisters to Lennox. Lennox, 
No, my lord. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's also like, oh, I am alone in this world, aren't I? Yeah. I mean, he, he kills the only person with whom he shares any commonality, which is Banquo. Yeah. So he's fucked. Anyway, Macduff, yeah, he just Mac decided that the new Scotland he is building has no place for himbos. <laughs> it also, as we will see pretty soon, has no place for children. Yes. Um, this is where we get to the Lady Macduff, son of Macduff, Ross scene. Uh, yes. The Victorians love this scene because it presents the, uh, the pietistic uh, martyrdom of an innocent child, which they loved. Uh, I could love, art, um, love to watch a child die. Yeah, they love watching children die. I mean, they did it a lot. Yeah, so. it's really common. Um, they love the play King John, which I guess eventually we might have to cover. I don't like it. Um, but they love King John because there's a whole character in that who's the, a saintly little boy who dies horribly. Oh my God, what was up with the Victorians? I don't know, man. Yeah. Anyway, Ross yeah. says, so Ross says like, oh. So I actually remind, uh, we can talk about this after the. Ross is like, come on, Lady Macduff. Don't give your husband a hard time. You're a woman. You don't know any better. Um, and <laughs> okay. she says, and she says, yeah, well, I, my son doesn't have a father anymore. And he does a little bit of banter. It's kind of funny. What did you think of that tonally? Kind of the sort of very darkly funny stuff that the, the little boy says. I don't remember any of it. Oh, uh, he's, he says what is like, um, she says, your father is dead. How will thou do for a father? Nay, how will you do for a husband? Why, I can buy me 20 at any market. Then you'll buy him to sell again. Ha 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 ha. And then he says, um, was my father a traitor mother? Yes, he was. What's a traitor? Someone who swears and lies. What do you do with traitors? You, uh, the honest men hang them up. But there are enough swearers and liars to beat the uh, honest men. Like, it's sort of funny. What about sort the of. equivocators? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think you have to rely on the King of England, Scotland, and Ireland to do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, then the murderers show up, and they kill him. And this is where that meme line of, like, what you egg young fry of treachery stabs him comes from. And, like, ha-ha, what you egg... Yeah, but like, if you think about it, what it's saying here is literally Macbeth's state has reached such horrific, nihilistic, destructive proportions that it cannot even permit the existence of new life in the form of a child. Mm -hmm. Like, that's horrifying. Yes. It's not funny, like, oh, weird egg humor. I'm sorry, this is something I have opinions about. <laughs> yeah, it's... Anyway... A child is killed on stage. I was reading like an early 20th century commentator on this and they were like, this scene is not ordinarily staged because of how traumatic it can be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, but it's- I reflected on this. Um, no, wait, we still haven't gotten to Lady Macduff. No, this is Lady Macduff, this scene. Yeah. So did, uh, remind me, did Banquo die on screen? Yes, he does. Okay, yeah. He's stabbed on he's stabbed on stage on screen. Depend, you know, if it's a film production, he dies on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, unless yeah. it's a really weird choice. Um, but yeah, yeah because he I, dies on. I reflected on this that it is 
extremely weird if the only people to actually die on screen are Lady Macduff and her son. I don't think Lady Macduff dies. I think she just she flees. Oh, she, no, she they definitely do stab her or slit her throat. They may have chosen to in do this, that. In that in production, production, I think you're right. Yeah. That is what they did. Uh, but the stage direction is exit crying murder. Hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. The people we see killed on stage are Banquo. Uh, a child. A child. And then Macbeth. And, and Macbeth, yeah. Um, we, pro- we might, well, he- yes, yeah, spoilers. I think <laughs> yeah. we... We might hear Lady Macbeth die. I'm not sure. That de- that depends. Uh, yeah. Judy Dench mm. makes the most horrific noise in the world. Oh yeah. When That's, she dies. Yeah, I contemplated making a drop of that, but I decided I don't not to think because we could. I, no, I think it would. I think it would break my speakers if I tried to play it. Hey, I do you have thoughts about four uh, three, which is where they're at the English court, and Malcolm's like, actually, if I were king, I would be even worse than Macbeth. And then he says, "Haha, J.K. just testing you." Do you, <laughs> do you have a read on that scene? Yeah, that's because I don't. A normal person says because I don't. Yeah. Like I like I, the only thing I can. Think How would of is, you be worse than Macbeth at this point? <laughs> Well, Malcolm says he would be uh, extremely horny, extremely, um, uh, ex- extremely greedy. Mm, I mean, fair enough. Like, say what you will about Macbeth, but he doesn't fuck around. No, no, he really seems to love his wife. Yeah, probably too much. Yes, oh. I mean, I think it might be um, his his it biggest. It might not fault. be a sign of great judgment that he does that. Perhaps not. Right. But yeah. So Macduff shows up and says, like, I'm here to pl- I'm here to uh, pledge fealty to your service, Malcolm. And Malcolm says, that's great. I don't trust you. I think you're going to betray me. And he's like, dude. And they have this back and forth where he's like, no, I, I actually am trustworthy. And Malcolm says, great. That's cool. Just so you know, I will be the worst tyrant Scotland has ever had. <laughs> Yeah. And and it's and, and it's really weird because Macduff is trying to go along with it. He's like, um, you know, he, he says, uh, your wife, Ma- Malcolm says, your wives, your daughters, your matrons, and your maids could not fill up the cistern of my lust. And Macduff is like, uh, we have willing games enough. Like, well, we can figure this out. <laughs> we can work through your sex addiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says, like, when, when Malcolm, his next thing is, you know, um, I'm too greedy to rule Scotland. He says, there's a lot of money in Scotland. You'll, you'll be okay. It's so Famous, weird. Famously a thing people say, yeah. <laughs> famously well-off Scotland, I know. Yeah. Medieval Scotland. And then we get another little mention, uh, description of Duncan as a, a literal sainted king. He, uh, the unnamed queen of Duncan, unseen queen of Duncan, is seen more often on her knees than standing which I think means praying, but I don't want to think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like the thing about Duncan that many productions omit is that he just loved getting head. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I hate it so much. It's textually supported. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, so, Ma- so after all this, where he's like, you know, I'm re- I, I like yeah, to fuck I think, so much. 
It's just I've weird. been confused a long time now about what scene the other drop I took was from, but I think that was part of that. I'm going to play it, and we'll find out how, how much attention I was paying by this point. Fair enough. Your eye in Scotland would create soldiers. Make our women fight. That is this scene. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is another instance of Ross being cancelled. Make her women fight. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Right. So Malcolm says, like, I was just testing you. I am just, I am young and unproven, but I think I can be as saintly as my father. It's really weird. I don't understand it. Um, it, Like, I guess it's like a final bit of comparison to how evil a King Macbeth is, considering that like, this next little bit, we have Edward the Confessor show up, like it is mentioned as someone who can cure the king's evil because he's so holy. That's how holy a king we can potentially have on the British Isles, which is mm. funny. Um, but it's just so weird. Anyway, Ross shows up and he says that uh, you'll make our women fight if you return Malcolm. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, by the way, Macduff, I have some bad news. Every single member of your family has been slaughtered. Oh, no. And he takes some time to process it. Isn't that really weird? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you might be expecting it at that point. Maybe. He's like, like he has to ask yeah. like several times, all my children, every single one of them. It, I mean, it almost feels like kind of a realistic depiction of grief. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, I, I love this play, but I wouldn't call it like realistic. <laughs> no. It, in a lot of ways, it's really, really stylized, which is fine. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so interesting. But yeah. this is this is Macduff being like extremely human in a play that is in some ways kind of a passion play. Yeah. It's really interesting. Oh, Macduff says uh, he could play the woman with his eyes because he's so sad. Again, no. But now they have an army. They're going to invade Scotland. That's cool. Yep. Uh, good for them. Oh, hey, hey, Ooh. hey. <laughs> Next is the sleepwalking scene. Do, do you want to walk us through it, Max? Uh, I don't think that's in my notes to begin with. No, it isn't. Oh, okay. So we have the doctor mansplaining to one of um, this doctor mansplaining to one of Lady Macbeth's women. And she's like, yeah, she sleepwalks all the time. And she like compulsively washes her hands in her sleep. That sounds normal. And the doctor's yeah, like, normal people do, and the yeah. doctor's like, that's a yikes for me. <laughs> and they stand aside and watch her do some of the most famous dialogue in the English language. Yet here's a spot, etc. Out, out, damned spot, I say. Yet who would have thought the old man had so much blood in him? There we go. There's a little connection to what we were talking about last episode where she says, I would have totally killed Duncan if he, he didn't look like my father. Yeah. It's great. Um, she basically confesses to doing all of this. And the yes. doctor says, uh, you have known what you should not. Oh, my goodness. To the lady. And she's like, bitch, I've been here for so long. I know it's yeah. kind of funny to me. I mean, this is the scene where Judy Dench makes the un this ungodly noise. The blood curdling scream, yeah. It is one of the most horrific things I have ever heard. Yes. 
Um, we will not be playing it for you, dear listener. If you want to watch it, if you want to watch the production we have spoken about at length, please it's do. On it's YouTube. very good. Yeah. Uh, but this is horrific. Anyway, yes. um, <laughs> the best part about this is it ends with the doctor being like, man, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus. How do I top this? This is the wor- This is horrifying. I don't know what to do. He says, quote, this disease is beyond my practice. Yeah. No, like, yeah. you know what? Fair enough. 5-2 is boring. There are too many scenes in Act 5. All mm. we really get from I Act mean, I 5... I feel like Acts 1 and 5 are the bulk of this play. They're really long, right? Yeah. Um, 5 is just a lot of short scenes. All we really get mm. in, Uncle, in Act 5 is... Um, Malcolm, his uncle Seward of the Good Macduffer, are here. They're going to meet near Burnham Wood. You might have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some guy called are, Cap- as, Famously, as we know, there are about five places in Scotland. <laughs> yes. Um, some guy called Caffness, who we've never heard of before, says that uh, Macbeth is holed up in Dunsinane, and he's sort of like losing it. But he's fine. Some drops when we get to that. He's fine. Oh, I think we might be here till Burnham Wood removed to Dunsinane. I'll be okay. Do we have yeah. one? Uh, no. Oh, well, okay. This is 5-3. This is where he starts yelling at his servant for no reason. Yeah. Uh, oh, and this is where he starts calling for Satan. <laughs> Satan. I'm not getting over this. I'm sorry. Take thy face. Hence, Satan... I am sick at heart when I behold. Satan, I say. Amazing. (laughs) Satan. Satan is real. (laughs) He definitely is, yeah. Basically, whatever. Nothing really happens. The doctor says, God, I wish I were not here. Mm -hmm. Um, But Macbeth says he'll be fine until Burnham would come to Dunsinane. And he'll also be fine because Malcolm was totally born of a woman. Come on. Oh, and he gets a dig in at the English. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, five, four. They're marching. It's boring. Yeah. So is this when we... Uh, Wait. Macbeth? Oh, no. This is important, actually. I am so sorry. What wood is this before us? The wood of Burnham. Let every soldier hew him down a bow and bear it before him. Yeah. You know, the forest is only revolting against you. Do we have a drop for this? Uh, not for that part, but we do later on. Oh, yes. I am excited. I'm just going to ask for a drop every two seconds now. Yeah. So is this when uh, Macbeth gets told that his wife has killed herself? Oh, it sure is. Let's listen to this. Yes. Ian McCallum is amazing Because we in this do speech. get the, uh, the monologue. The monologue. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Yeah, my notes just say acting happens. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he referenced the Star Trek episode All Our Yesterdays. Yeah, it's incredible. But also, like, 
there is so like every like one word two word phrase from this speech yeah. has been a title of something yes it is very much the things fall apart of shakespeare uh-huh. sound and fury that's a william faulkner yeah. novel so this is that's the end of the and i have that as a separate book it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing oh, it's so good yeah um and yeah, i really feel like is. i feel like this is just sort of the most nihilistic uh he can you can possibly get you know the mm-hmm. only person he's ever seemed to have loved is gone and all he really has is just like uh, he ends this scene saying, at least we'll die with harness on our back. At least we'll die fighting, right? That's yeah. all he has to hope for anymore. Um, yep. Uh, this is because, of course, everything has gone wrong for him. Except for one last thing. We will figure that out now because uh, the forest is coming against him. Uh, yeah. every, I mean, at least it's all fucked for up. Macbeth at this point, at least, at least the forest hasn't started moving. As I did stand my watch upon the hill, I looked toward Burnham, and anon methought the wood began to move. Oh dear! So uh, Macbeth's reaction to this is um, about what you'd expect. Cue the drop. Yeah. (laughs) Me. I did take that stream. Me. Extremely relatable. Yep. So, right. Um, he's going to die. Beginning of 5-7. They've tied me to a stake. I cannot fly, but bear like I must fight the course. Animal abuse. Yes. Um, but, I mean, he is fucked. Uh, but he does get one last kill. Well, Elizabeth actually to abuse animals almost <laughs> as much as Victorians love watching children die. Yes. I did forget one last uh, fatality. Uh, mm-hmm. which is y- poor young Seward. They cut him from your production. Um, mm-hmm. He's this like little kid who Macbeth just kills easily. Poor young Seward. Yeah. Quote, thou wast born of woman, but swords I smile at, weapons laugh to scorn, brandished by man that's of a woman born. And then he f- leaves. So yep. Macbeth is still a little bit invincible, at least uh, until he fights... Macduff. Mm-hmm. Because what is, something, turns out. what is something we did not know until this very moment about Macduff, the Thane of Fife? Well. Wait, do we have a drop? No. Aw. That was the last one. <laughs> I was really expecting one. Um, yeah. Despair thy charm, says Macduff. And tell the angel whom thou still hast to serve. I like that he assumes he serves an angel. I think that's sort of yeah. very ironic. Tell thee, Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Well, fuck. Turns out having a cesarean section means you're not born. <laughs> you were never born. Uh, full disclosure, this seems dubious yeah um, i mean you have to end the play somehow you have to end the play somehow i wish it had been mentioned before 
I mean, it, it, hey, Macduff, how's your mom? Not so good. She died when I was an infant. At, at, as a matter of fact, at the moment of my birth, because I was born by a cesarean section. But, you know, thanks for asking a naturalistic question. That's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah. But there is this idea which, which sort of doesn't survive in modern stagings because it's very tenuous. Mm-hmm. That like Macduff is the is what Macbeth should be. Lady Macduff is what Lady Macbeth should be. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. The Vic, the Victorians expanded these roles accordingly. Yeah, and, and and so did the Restoration. I think. Actually, I don't think they like Macbeth in the Restoration. I misspoke. Um, but yeah, it's just weird. Anyway, Macbeth is dead. Poor guy. He he dies fighting. Good for him, I guess. Yep. Anyway, Malcolm is king now. Scotland has earls now. That's pretty cool, right? We love it. We love to see it. We love an earl. <laughs> Seward's uh, like, damn, at least my son died fighting the worst tyrant ever. Boy, I sure hope history doesn't produce a dictator worse than Macbeth. <laughs> that would be bad, right? Anyway, that's the end of the play. Yeah, uh, it, it kind sure of- is. And as you will have noticed, dear listener... Uh, the line of Banquo does not take the throne. Yeah, that's weird. Not really sure. Despite what... that being very prominently mentioned in the first act. I, I think the previously mentioned extremely cancelled production of Rowan Polanski has this, a post-credit scene like Marvel. <laughs> uh, Again, the Shakespeare cinematic universe. Exactly, where uh, Flance is out riding and he sees the witches, and they, they begin to uh, sing to him. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. Um, but it is sort of amusing to me that, um, you know, presumably to the Stuart audience, it would have been like, oh, yeah, well, of course they don't need to assume the throne because they're right here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, it's just... It's for us, it's so what weird. Is and isn't assumed knowledge, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, what did you think, Max? Well, I mean, it's an interesting, an interesting play, as we've <laughs> kind of mentioned throughout this. It's like just the intense level of of dread that permeates everything about it. Yeah, is really striking, especially mm-hmm. in in the '79 production. Yeah, and the sort of complete, almost complete lack of staging in that. Mm-hmm. I really or, like that, scenery. full disclosure. Yeah. And um, I, it, it really sort of highlights the characters. Uh, it's really interesting to me in just reading it. this the acting. Time, in, in reading through it this time and sort of contrasting it with this production that you're talking about, it almost feels like a horror film. Like a modern, yeah. kind of a modern horror film. I mean, like it... I mean, it, it's not exactly like the sort of nihilistic piece of theater that uh, something like King Lear is, um, mm-hmm. which is just as kind of hopeless in its attitude towards humanity. I mean, you know, Macbeth ends happily, but like, does it actually? Like, like, are you personally I mean, not happy that Malcolm? Well, no. <laughs> like, are you happy that Malcolm has assumed the Scottish throne? The man who said he would rape every woman in the country. In fairness, he said he was just kidding. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. 
they all say that. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I like. I, I don't know. But JK, I mean, bro, you mad? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> JK. Unless. Yeah. Exactly. But I think. I mean, I think Macbeth deserves its place. I mean, that this can be something we yeah. talk about when we read these plays. Does this deserve to be better known than it is, or lesser known than it is, or? Uh, I mean, I deserve... think Macbeth would struggle to be better known than it is. That's probably true. As a, a 17th century play. <laughs> That's, like I think, it, yeah. I think you don't, it doesn't get much more famous than Macbeth already is. No. And I think it does deserve its place because it's very interesting, both in terms of its content and its form. Yeah. I'm like, sure. as we mentioned, the, uh, the pacing is, is very unconventional. Extremely unconventional. And I, I don't want to present the theory that um, it is a partial text as, as gospel, because that might not be true. Um, mm. I, I've read people arguing that, like, you know, the original text was probably a little weird like this, too. And that's probably correct. We just don't know. Uh, I, I personally subscribe to this theory, um, but a lot of people hold to lots of different theories about Shakespeare, some of which are really, really dumb. Mm -hmm. Um. I think this one is... Uh, we'll get to those, no doubt. Oh, yes. I think this one is uh, uh, very much on the, the respectable end of that spectrum. Because uh, I think it does make sense. And I think this is a weird play. Would you say then that's kind of the thing that most surprised you, maybe? The, the pacing? Yeah. I mean, we think of the way Shakespeare is presented, right? Is as this sort of almost godlike perfect author. Mm -hmm. At least on like... A, a, a surface level understanding of Shakespeare. Sure, the, bar, the, your, the legacy of bardolatry, absolutely. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, I don't think the overall pacing of Macbeth is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Or that it, it's, it could be considered a mistake he made, but like there are bits of this, like the part where he just seems to realize that he ran out of prophecy and has Macbeth <laughs> run back to the witches for more. Yeah. That feel just a, maybe just a tiny bit hackneyed. I, well, they certainly, I, I don't I know. I mean, it, it leads to a very good use. scene. Yeah. Well, I think the word I would use is um, in, maybe improvised. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sort of get the sense sometimes from Shakespeare that he's kind of writing without an outline. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, the allegedly Ben Johnson wrote that Shakespeare never blotted out a word he wrote. I'm sure he did at some point, but like mm -hmm. he must have been really good or perhaps really stubborn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if Macbeth has some of that quality where. Um, yeah, I mean, of, that makes sense. He sort of decided, I know there's no need to go back and fix this. It's good enough as it is. I just need to sort of rejigger what I'm going to do next. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to argue with the result in this case. Oh, unquestionably so. Yeah. Is is the, um, would you say that the famous thing we learned is entirely derivative is House of Cards? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Although reservation, that it might, it, when we get to Richard III, that might be the same. Mm -hmm. I think Richard III is more fun. Mm. Um, but in fairness, I haven't, rereading Macbeth, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'd forgotten how bleak it is, which seems mm -hmm. hard now. Yeah, it feels but like I, that's kind of, at least of this episode, the running theme, right? Yeah, I guess I guess I sort of just remembered it as being kind of a 
sort of, you know, kind of, I mean, I, you know, the, uh, to go back to go, uh, something that will not make sense to many of our listeners, but it is what I'm thinking about. You know, we were talking about Satan, right? Everyone's favorite character, Satan. And we're talking about <laughs> the Leuven brothers. Satan is real. And uh, you look up the album cover as you're listening to this. If you don't know what it looks like already, they, these two guys, they're extremely devout Baptists, right? And yeah. they go to, um, they go to a, an abandoned mine or whatever, and they uh, set a bunch of tires on fire and they put up this giant plywood devil. And they're, <laughs> they, they're, and, and as it starts to rain, the fire of the tires starts to rise. And they sort of pose like they're in agony. And it's on one level, it's kitschy. And on another level, it is the most real, horrific thing in the world to these people. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like Macbeth has that quality. On one yeah, level, I can see that. on one level, you know, it's kind of fun, right? Like you have these cool witches and and you know, kind of baroque murders. It's kind of great. Oh, I love the witches so much. Oh, me too. Uh, I mean, you have Hecate and all these kind of weird dances and like, ooh, you know, this fun uh, tetrameter poetry about evil. And then on another level, like you, you look into, like if you don't kind of treat it as a little kitschy and you look into what's actually being presented, it is astonishingly dark and, yeah. and terrifying, frankly. And And that's how I'm able to compare it to 19... 19- early 1960s close harmony country music yep and that is our promise to you the listener to do things whatever whatever the least likely comparison is we will find it are you ready for me to compare i don't know the taming of the shrew to super mario sunshine i don't know that was (laughs) not that's not gonna happen but maybe i'll I'll think of something if we ever get there i'm sure we will (laughs) yeah I'll hold you to that. Thanks. Uh, so, <sighs> do we want to talk about production history? A little bit. Obviously, this play <laughs> is from the period I described. Um, yeah, we talked about this in the previous episode. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't think it was especially popular in the restoration. Though I guess I get it, the sense it's not really the tone they preferred. Yeah, I guess uh, when Davenant, William Davenant, who was a really important theater maker of the 17th century, or late 17th century, I should say, mm. um, he he adapted it. He also claimed to be Shakespeare's illegitimate son. I don't think that was true, but he did claim it. Uh, Fair enough. Okay, he introduced new songs, dances, and flying, and he expanded the role of Lady Macduff. Samuel Pepys flying. Like, I don't know, man. During the prophecies, or I have no I idea. Know. I like just the totally out of context word "flying." Yes, <laughs> he introduced flying. Um, he flew. Pepys loved it. He, um, Samuel Pepys liked a lot of theater. He also hated a lot of theater, including Romeo and Juliet and Midsummer Night's Dream which I think is extremely funny. Yeah. David, uh, it does seem throughout the 17th and 18th centuries, they did a lot of rewriting and adapting Shakespeare, adapting Shakespeare's work, that, uh, especially in this play. Uh, Garrick wrote a, a death speech for Macbeth. He cut the porter. 
he cut Lady Macduff and her son, and he cut Mac- Malcolm's testing of Macduff, which in fairness is a really weird scene. I, I get it. That is also basically all the fun stuff he got. I know. Sarah Siddons um, was legendary in uh, the 18th century, uh, early 19th century actress. Sarah Siddons was apparently legendary as Lady Macbeth. I kind of doubt we would like her much anymore. I mean, that goes for most acting of that period. Doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, I mentioned a little bit that time 20 people were killed over dueling performances. Uh, in- yes. Go back oh. and listen to the previous episode if you didn't. Yeah, it's a really that reference. it's a fun story, and you should look it up too. In the 19th century, they really like doing like historically accurate productions of Macbeth. Yeah, I mean, this goes into the whole pre-Raphaelite stuff, doesn't it? It does absolutely. Which means like every actor wears kilts, and it's awful, and I hate it. It's really, yeah. really dumb, and probably. Exaggerated Scottish accents. Yeah, probably. Um, let's see. Here we go. Uh, eventually, uh, by the 20th century, people get to Im- implementing ideas about Brecht in there, as well as method acting, yeah. uh, to, to possibly inform uh, the kind of the strangeness of the play, uh, which I think, and I think the Brechtian aspect really works for this kind of strangeness and the kind of, Mm. Well, I was going to say theatricality, but that doesn't really make sense because it's a play. <laughs> um, but the yeah, kind of... Notably, notably theatrical play, this. Yeah. Uh, my personal hero, Orson Welles, did a production called The Voodoo Macbeth in the 30s. Oh, yeah, that one. I know vaguely about that one. I don't think any video survives, but some stills no. do. Um, okay, a little bit of video survives. Um, that one is really cool. Um, oh, here we go. Here's a production from 53 with Chuck Heston as Macbeth. And apparently this one had some very bad luck. Uh, Heston's tights caught fire. <laughs> as they do. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, so the Voodoo Macbeth, of course, is um, a production that Orson Welles did with WPA money during mm-hmm. the New Deal, uh, which had an entirely black cast. And a lot of uh, and um, moved the setting to the Caribbean. Yeah, and sort of made um, him and sort of made Macbeth kind of only Christoph, sort of. Yeah. Which actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I just re- I think I, this is one of those plays that could work in a number of like changed and updated settings. Well, this is one a guy called um, I'm going to butcher this Chinese. I am so sorry. Zhu Zhaozhong, or um, Zhu Zhaozhong, I'm not certain. He did a Be- a performance in Beijing in 1980. He tried to be apolitical. I don't know how you can do an apolitical Macbeth. I just don't. No, it's very yeah. Anyway, it says here that um, Zhu modeled <laughs> his Macbeth on Louis Napoleon, which is bizarre to me. Yeah, that's. Um, but people perceive similarities to Chairman Mao, which, like, yeah, how could you not, right? Yeah. Let's see. On film, Orson Welles did a really good one start, uh, with himself as Macbeth. It's very of kind of low tech. He adapted it a little bit, uh, as everyone has, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you kind of have to. Yeah, he wears a crown that looks like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> 
Um, it's actually really good, but uh, he had about um, uh, he had about as much money as a Doctor Who episode of the same period to make it. So it is kind of rough, but I think it's really good. Um, let me think. There's this Roman Polanski one I've talked about a couple of times. I haven't actually seen it. I know about mm-hmm. some of the things he did in it. I don't think it, I haven't really heard it's very good and it's very like Playboy, which is because it was the uh-huh. late 60s and I'm not really a fan of that approach. Let's see. Yeah, there's 71. An, yeah, there's an upcoming one made by just Joel Cohen starring Denzel. That's interesting. Oh, and Francis McDormand is Lady M. Brendan Gleeson is King Duncan, which sounds great. I'm a big Brendan Gleeson fan. Shout out to the Irish. <laughs> I can't, I honestly don't know if I really like this production, uh, but it might be good. I have no idea. Um, oh, finally, the last one I should probably mention is the incredible Akira Kurosawa film, Throne of Blood. Or oh, yeah. Spiderweb Castle, which is a much better title, which is a... Okay, I say Macbeth has the um, budget of a Doctor Who episode. It was, in fact, from 1948. So that is Mm. anachronistic, but it's really cheap. Throne of Blood is amazing. You need to see it. It is horrific and probably the best movie of Macbeth. Mm. I mean, I think this is, in general, going to be a pro-Kurosawa podcast. It would be hard to be anti. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I mean, Beth is a great play. Y'all should mm-hmm. read it if you haven't, or see a production. I highly recommend the production. Yeah, I, I will I made to the, the one I saw. Yeah, this is the one I made Max watch. It's really good. Uh, there are some others out there that are, are good. Um, and I am by no means, I mean, we are by no means the last word on this play. Uh, you should oh, no. read it yourself. You will, fi- you will be able to find other people talking about Macbeth on the internet. You should read about it yourself, and you should read it yourself and watch a production of it. And um, what do I want to do with this podcast to get people more interested in Shakespeare? Because it's really good. And Fair maybe enough, the broader yeah. canon. Anyway, gosh, I think that's. So what I should I consider mean. myself patient zero, I guess. Absolutely, you are. Maybe not right now. We use maybe we don't use that term right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, so do we want to wrap up? So yeah. Um, I think this. Is, thank you so much, y'all. We yeah. still don't have a name for this. <laughs> we need to figure one out. Maybe we will by the time. Strutting and fretting. I don't know. Because like Macbeth, does sound like an Ultravox song. Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Fuck. Okay, we'll we'll keep workshopping. If you have any thoughts, let us know. Yes. Uh, should we do the uh, where can people find us thing again? Where can people find us? Yeah, I am available a... on the bad website. Yes, Twitter.com as Beata Beatrix One Numeral yeah. One. Uh, and I, I am shit at, post. At, yeah. And uh, I am at Rail Tragedy, and I do the same. I cannot guarantee. I can't guarantee that literally anything I tweet will be relevant to the people interested in this podcast. I may do a little bit. Most of my shit posts revolve around Star Trek, Judaica, and my 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 
institution, which I should perhaps stop. <laughs> I yep. should stop. Okay. <laughs> On that note, goodbye. Yep. Goodbye. And we will see you, see you next again. time. Yes. Uh, don't let your horses eat each other. That's as good a note to end on as any, yes. <laughs> okay. Good night. Goodbye now. When shall we three meet again? In thunder? Lightning? Or in rain? When the hurly burl is done? When the battle's lost and won? There will be ere the set of sun. Where the bliss? Upon the heath. There to meet with? Macbeth.